So we are in a series on the Sermon on the Mount. Um, Brian wanted to do his last series on the greatest sermon ever taught, which was by Jesus um, on the Sermon on the Mount, which is Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And I am just continuing on with that. I titled uh, my sermon... um, Pride can make good and wonderful things worthless. Uh, So that'll give you an idea um, of what God's placed on my heart today to talk to you about. Um, I will read today's verses, which is uh, Matthew 6, 1 through 18. First, be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets, to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received the reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father, who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not... Do not keep on babbling like the pagans do, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly I tell you, they have received the reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face, so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is, in, who is unseen, um, and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. So that's Matthew uh, 6, 1 through 18. So I found out, uh, like I mentioned earlier, I found out Monday afternoon, uh, Monday evening, that I was going to speak today. I'm not sure what happened, but I guess there was a, a mess up with Nielsen. He was supposed to speak, but he was going to Young Life Camp with the kids. So when I was talking to Brian, I said, okay, what am I speaking on? He said, Matthew 6, 1 through 18. So I got off the phone, I read it, and I honestly had no idea what I was going to say today. So I just said, Lord, you got to tell me what you want me to talk about. So Monday night before I went to bed, I read it again when I got in bed. Still no idea. Um, and so I just said, Lord, you got to tell me what you want me to speak on. So Tuesday morning, I got up, I read it again, still nothing. Um, I went to breakfast with Brian Tuesday morning. We talked through a bunch of stuff, kind of got a little bit of, little bit of idea, but not, not really a theme. 
And so I brought my bike. Uh, if you guys know me, I love to mountain bike. Um, and it, really most of my life, uh, I feel like the Lord has spoke to me the clearest when I've been in the woods, either on a bike or hiking or running. So I brought my bike to breakfast. After breakfast was over, I decided to go ride uh, Hummocks Upland Ralph's Pass. And so uh, when I ride, I like to pray and think and problem solve and um, seek the Lord. And so if any of you guys have been up on Ralph's Pass, at the highest point, there's a bench that they put up there that overlooks the town and looks up towards Beehive Basin. And so I like to get off my bike and and, uh, sit there and pray for a minute. So I got off my bike sat on the bench and I said, okay, Lord, what, you know, what is it you want me to talk about? And as clear as could be popped in my head, pride, pride is the enemy. And so I was like, okay, I got my theme. Um, and that's when I came up with the title was when I was sitting on that bench was, was pride. So if you think about it and if you ask these questions here, um, there was three sections of this passage, giving, praying, and, and fasting. And so if you, if you think about it, what causes someone to brag about their giving? Ultimately, it's really their pride. Uh, what causes someone to pray in public so they can be seen? Again, pride. What causes someone to telegraph that they are fasting by their appearance? Again, pride. Um, so as I, as I thought through this, if pride is the enemy... And in and of itself, giving, praying, and fasting are good things. But pride can turn those good things. In effect, Jesus was saying they were worthless. And so what's the opposite of pride? Uh, The opposite of pride ultimately is humility and faith. Um, So obviously humility is, is a word that's opposite of pride. But faith also because pride ultimately is faith in ourselves. It's saying, I got this. This is all about me. I can do it. I don't need any help. I don't need God. I don't need anything else. That's pride. And what Jesus asks us to do is have faith in him. The other thing I wanted to point out is it's impossible to be both prideful and faithful. So they're opposites. So you either are faithful in Jesus or you're prideful. There's, they, don't, they can't be together at the same time. And so, again, as I thought about... Um, as I thought about this, I, I decided, okay, let's define those three words. Let's define pride, let's define humility, and let's, let's define faith. So um, I grabbed a, a verse out of Proverbs um, to talk about uh, pride. And the first thing I did was, if you guys haven't done this, it's great. I just Googled verses on pride, and it came up with the top 40 verses. And if you read the top 40 verses on pride... God doesn't like pride. He, he hates it, actually, if you read through it. So I ended up picking this verse out of Proverbs, which is, The Lord detests all the proud of heart. Be sure of this, they will not go unpunished. So if you look at that verse, that's a pretty harsh verse. Um, Jesus isn't beating around the bush when he says he detests it, and you will not go unpunished. So the other thing I thought was interesting was is this verse... I felt like had the same tone of what Jesus was saying on the Sermon on the Mount. Um, when, when at the end of it, he says, they, they will have their due, basically. And this, this verse basically goes along with that. They will not go unpunished. Um, the next one's humility. Uh, so the verse uh, I picked here was, was also out of Proverbs. Uh, humility is the fear of the Lord. Its wages are riches and honor and life. Um, the interesting thing about this verse is, is it talks about the fear of the Lord. So there's, there's different kinds of fear. 
There's bad fear, which paralyzes you, and there's good fear, which keeps you from doing stupid things or, or killing yourself, right? And so this fear is the good fear. Um, this is not the bad fear that paralyzes you. This is the good fear. And so the best analogy I've ever heard of this is when you have little kids, and, and most of you probably have had to do this, you have to teach them fear of the street. And you don't want them to be paralyzed, but at the same time, you want them to know when their ball rolls out in the street, they don't just run out and get it. They have to stop and look both ways. And so that's probably the best analogy I've heard about what this fear is. And so Jesus is saying, follow me if you want life. Don't play in the street. That leads to death. And so that, that's really what he's talking about. See, humility comes from the fact that you recognize that Jesus is leading you towards life. And what he says don't do leads you towards playing in the street. And what he says do do leads you towards life. Um, so that's humility. Uh, faith. So I picked this verse out of Hebrews. And without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. So this is also a very strong verse. If you think about this, it's impossible to please God without faith. So if you think about what Jesus is saying, if you pray without faith or give without faith, or fast without faith, it's impossible to please Him. That's why the title I had was, It Becomes Worthless If You Don't Have Faith with, with, to Go Along With It. Um, and so the last note there, I just said, you know, to please God in our giving, praying, and, and fasting, faith has to be present. Um, and so the next one is, my question is this. If pride's the enemy of what Jesus was talking about, giving, praying, and fasting, how do we give, pray, and fast with humility and faith? Because that's the opposite of pride. So we want our giving, our praying, and our fasting, obviously, to be worth, worth something. So we have to have humility and faith. Um, so I'm going to talk about e- each of those uh, three individually. So giving. As I thought through giving, um, I think the first thing for me was the first line there. Um, everything is God's. We are just stewards of what God has placed in our care. And so I think... In our culture, in in American culture, I think all of us want to say, hey, I worked hard. I deserve this. Um, You know, we live in a country where we have great, great wealth. Um, Most of us don't struggle to eat. There are people that do, but most of us don't. And I think for me, the humility starts with my kids are not mine. My wife is not mine. The money in, in my bank is not mine. My house is not mine. My cars are not mine. I'm really just a steward that God has placed those things in my care for some period of time. Um, and I think that that is the beginning for humility for me when it comes to my giving. Because um, if, I, if I think it's all mine and I want to hold it tight, then it's harder for me to give. But if I think, hey, I, don't, I wouldn't have anything if God hadn't given it to me anyway. And it's really just His. So my giving is really just giving back what he's already given me that I didn't earn myself anyway. So for me, that, that's the first place of humility. The other thing is, is it's important to listen to the voice of God to determine where and how much to give. And obviously faith must be present. And so I wanted to tell a little bit of my own journey just to kind of illustrate this. So um, I'm 50. I graduated college 27 years ago. Uh, my first job I got was in Charlotte, uh, North Carolina. Uh, I ended up rooming with two of my three best friends I grew up with. We were all Christians. We all had our first real full-time jobs. And so one night we were sitting around in our apartment and, and giving came up. 
And so we had this open discussion. None of us had really done that yet because we really hadn't had full-time jobs. And my family, I grew up in a family that gave, so I had, it was modeled by my parents, but I've never really spent a lot of time thinking about it. So we, we had this open discussion. Hey, guys, we all need to give. What, what, what should we give? How much should we give? What's the rules? And so we kind of beat it around one night, and we all knew that the Old Testament said 10%, but the New Testament didn't really have uh, a guideline like that. And so as we all thought about it, we all agreed, okay, we should give 10%. And then one of my roommates said, all right, 10% of gross or 10% of net? And uh, I was like, hmm, I never really thought about that. That's, that's a good question. Um, so we didn't come to a conclusion that night. We said, okay, let's all think about it and come back. So a couple nights later, that same roommate said, hey, I think it's 10% of gross. And I thought to myself, I didn't say it out loud. I thought to myself, dang it, 10% of net's a lot better than, a lot better than 10% of gross. But I knew he was probably right. So we all agreed, okay, it's 10% of gross. So I was, my, my first job was making $30,000 a year. I had no bonuses, so it was easy to calculate 10%. It's $2,500 a month, so my giving was $250. Um, and so basically what I did, I started out on this journey of giving $250 a month. Uh, I grew up in Young Life, uh, and so I felt like, hey, I should give to Young Life and I should give to church. I don't remember the split, exactly what I did, but I, I gave the 250 a month. And that went on for a few years. And I think what happened for me was as God started to nudge me and he started to say to me, hey, you're being obedient, but you're not being faithful. So for my giving really was no different than paying the mortgage or paying the, the phone bill. It was just an obligation. I wrote the check every month. Uh, again, it was obedience, but it was not faithful. There was no faith in it. And so over the 27 years since I graduated college, um, my journey has come full circle to the point where really last, I don't know, six, seven years, Sarah and I have gotten to a point where we only give what God tells us to give when he tells us to give it in the amount he tells us to give it. And so that didn't just happen overnight. That was a long journey of going from the 250 a month to the place where we are today. And so uh, I encourage all of you guys to really think about that. And I'm not saying giving monthly is wrong. Don't, don't hear me on that. I'm saying giving monthly without faith is wrong. And so my giving originally, my first couple years out of college, I feel like was, was out of obligation. It really wasn't out of faith. Um, a couple observations along the way that's been interesting for me. Uh, I haven't worked in a little over three years now, so my last official day of work was May 31st of uh, 16. And so I was curious what God would do when I wasn't working. Uh, I had no income. And so in 2017, neither Sarah or I worked, and he still asked us to give, which I thought was fascinating. I was curious. I was like, Lord, what are you, you going to do? And I think... What it did for me is it pushed my faith a step further because now I had no income, but he was still asking me to give. And so I had to, I had to get to the place where I sat down and I said, okay, Lord, you asked me to give, you asked Sarah to give, you know, what's in my bank account, you know, when I'm going to have a job again, you know, all things. So you, I have to, it's faith, right? I just have to trust you. Well, interestingly in 2018, was the first year of my entire working career, or not working, I should say adult life, that he didn't ask me to give a single thing. It's the only, only year. But he did ask Sarah a few things to give, which I thought was fascinating. The other thing is, Sarah got a job a year ago at the hospital here, uh, so she's now uh, the breadwinner. I have a sugar mama. Um, 
so she she is now she is now the bre- the breadwinner at the uh, working at the hospital. And what's been fascinating for me is is when I was the primary uh, earner in the family, I'd say ninety to ninety five percent of our giving God placed on my heart, and a little bit He placed on her heart. Since she's been working and I haven't, one hundred percent of our giving since she's been working, He's placed on her heart, and He hasn't told me anything in two years. And so I find all that fascinating for for a couple reasons because. Um, one, ultimately, if I'm just doing what he tells me to do, I'm not sinning, right? I'm, I'm not doing anything wrong. I'm just listening to the voice of God. And so I think it, that whole journey maybe hopefully helps you um, understand maybe a little bit about the faith part. Again, don't, don't take giving monthly as wrong. I'm just saying giving without faith is wrong. So I just kind of wanted to illustrate that um, as part of my own journey. Um, next thing, praying. So as I thought about prayer um, in the Gospels, um, there's many examples of Jesus praying. And I think Jesus is, Jesus is our best example in everything, but I, I obviously used him in this case. Uh, and one of my favorite prayers is Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. Uh, it was after the Last Supper. It was right before uh, Judas came with the Roman guards to arrest him, uh, to obviously send him on probably the worst 90 hours in human history where, you know, he's beaten and spit on and all these things and ultimately hung on a cross and then goes to hell for three days and and comes back to life. And um, his prayer um, that night in the garden, I think, is fascinating. So it says, he withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them. He knelt down and prayed, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. So this is a fascinating prayer because, um, again, Jesus is getting ready to do the hardest thing any human's ever done in history. Um, and he, the way he prays, um, how he does it, I think, I think is a great example for all of us. So I had four points on the next slide, four parts to this prayer. So first of all, Jesus is alone. So he went with three of his disciples to the Garden of Gethsemane. uh, And then it says he went a a stone's throw away. So he went off by himself. So he was alone. Uh, Second of all, Jesus was on his knees. uh, And kneeling, I think, is a posture of humility. So uh, just because you kneel doesn't mean you're humble. But I think it helps get your heart and your soul in a place where you're humble. And Jesus modeled this regularly of going out in the woods, going out in the garden. Uh, and getting on his knees uh, and, in a, like I said, a state of humility to pray. The third point, Jesus made his desire known. So Jesus didn't just go, Lord, your will be done. He did say, Lord, please, if, you, if you're willing, take this cup from me. And I think in the end, all of us really want the same things, right? We all want uh, health, wealth, great kids, a nice house, good cars, um, you know, good, good dinner every night. We all basically want the same things. But I think what's fascinating really is the fourth point, which is, Lord, your will be done. So as I've thought through this, and it's in the middle of the Lord's, Lord's Prayer, which is in this, in this sermon, um, I've, I've 
I've really spent a lot of time the last couple of years really pondering, Lord, your will be done. And the reason why is this. I'm, I'm a sovereignty of God guy. I absolutely believe God is completely in control. And so to me, it, when I first started thinking about that I'm, a few years ago, I'm like, okay, Lord, your will be done. Well, your will is going to be done anyway, whether I pray for it or not. And as I've really thought through it, what that line really is, it's a line of humility and it's a line of faith because it's really not, Lord, your will be done. Because his will is going to be done whether I pray it or not. It's really, it's me getting in a state of I'm humble, I'm surrendered. Um, Lord, this is what I want. Take this cup for me. But in the end, I surrender to you and your will be done. So I think the four parts of that, of that prayer are, are really a lot of ways how we should pray. We should make our, our desires known to God. But in the end, it's Lord, your will be done. Of course, I want health. But if it's the best thing for me to not be healthy, then Lord, your will be done. Um, and I think it's really a state of humility and a state of faith under the Lord. So um, that was kind of my, my parts to, to the prayer. Fasting is the last section. Um, I'm not going to talk a lot about fasting. Uh, I'll leave that one to Brian. Um, I did read a book on fasting that was, that was really good. Fasting's tough, and, and I'll tell you I'm not an expert, so I was just going to talk a little bit about it. So fasting is basically uh, abstaining from food and drink in order to focus on prayer and seeking God's will. Um, I think it's important for all of us to do it, especially when we have big decisions in our life. I've done it multiple times in my life. Uh, I will tell you there's a couple times I've done it and he's made my path very clear. There's some times I've done it and he didn't tell me anything. Um, And so it's a tough, like, again, it's a tough thing, and it's, it, it, it's great, but it's tough. Uh, also, humility uh, is a core part of fasting, because obviously, if you're fasting in the right frame of mind, you're humbling yourself unto the Lord to say, Lord, what's my path? What's my direction? Where am I going? Um, and when you're fasting, it should not be obvious to other people. You shouldn't announce it. You shouldn't look like you're starving. You shouldn't suck your cheeks in and look like you're, you haven't eaten in a while. Um, and, and last of all, the last point, which Jesus talks about, is it's a private act between you and God. It's really just between you and him. It's not between you and anyone else. It's really just between you and him. Um, so, in conclusion, this is a quick sermon, but in conclusion, I'm a, I talk a little less than Brian. Um, my conclusion is this, um, when giving, praying and fasting, humbly seek, humbly seek the will of God, listen for his voice and then faithfully obey whatever he tells you to do. Um, so that, that's my sermon. Um, I I didn't time it. I don't know how quick it was, but hopefully, hopefully it was good. And that's what the Lord placed on my heart. There's a much more in that, in that passage than what I just talked about. But again, when I was mountain biking, he said, talk about pride. Pride's the enemy. So uh, that was basically the, the gist of my sermon. So I'll pray and, and we can uh, go enjoy the weather. Um, Lord, thanks for this day. Thanks for loving us. Thanks for Big Sky. Um, we live in probably one of the prettiest places in the world, um, which you created. Uh, thank you for uh, letting us all come here and come to this church. Uh, we ask that you would keep us humble, that you'd help us understand that everything is yours. It's not ours and it's not about us. It's about you. Um, and help us to uh, have faith in all parts of our life. Uh, as today we talked about in our giving and our, our uh, praying and our, our fasting. So again, thanks for loving us. Uh, thanks for this church. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.